gentlemen, welcome back to the Being Husband Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan West, bringing you guys another episode here, telling you guys like I always do, gentlemen, thank you for being a part of what it is we're doing here. If you've been with us for any length of time, then you know what I always say. It's a tall order to be a man. Lord have mercy. To be a man of one's household. But there was ever a time that we needed strong leaders in our communities, present fathers to our children and loving husbands to our wives. It's today. Wouldn't you guys agree? With that being said, I'm going to go ahead and jump into today's episode. This is Theology on Thursday, so if this is your first time with us, welcome. We're glad you're here. Uh, Theology on Thursdays is an episode that we do on Thursday where we have specific conversations about what where I'm coming from theologically, what I think about God and what I think about the Bible and what I've learned from it. So that way you guys are clear on uh, where it is that I'm coming from and, and how I can you know prove that in, in scripture. Uh, we also got our Monday show. Our Monday show is primarily focused on uh, marriage and, and, and you as a husband. Again, the podcast is called Being Husband. So uh, we'll have a lot of conversations on being a husband on those days. But I wanted to take these days because, you know, I've got a lot of questions from guys that are like, hey, man, where are you coming from here? What do you mean there? Kind of break it down for me. So I was going through Tulip the past few episodes that we've had, the past two that we've had. Uh, and tulip is just the uh, acrostic word for uh, the five doctrines um, of Calvinism or the five points of Calvinism, however you want to look at that. Uh, and that's total depravity, um, unconditional election, limited atonement, uh, irresistible grace and perseverance of the saints. Now, I'm taking a break from those because. I had a bit of a run in on Instagram, had a bit of an issue on Instagram. And I'm going to talk to you more about that in just a moment here. But first, I want to kind of tell you guys where I'm coming from. And this episode is titled, Why Do I Believe the Bible? Because at the end of the day, both of us have a decision to make. You and I have a choice. We can either believe the word of God, the the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, or we can believe the world or believe uh, another religion or whatever the case may be. We have a decision to make, and it's a binary decision. We either believe that the Word of God is the supreme authority in all things, or we believe that something else is. And again, that's a binary decision. That's a this or that kind of viewpoint. And so for me, you know, I, I grew up, and many of you know this and some of you don't, but I, I grew up a preacher's kid. And so for me, the the belief in the Bible has never really been a point of tension for me. I've never really struggled at, at believing it. Um, uh, again, I grew up in the church. My dad was, was my pastor uh, for the majority of, of my life. And some of my closest friends went to church. So I just never, you know, I never really had any kind of serious doubts or anything like that. Uh, and I think in large part that was because of uh, my, my dad's work. I got to give hats off to my dad uh, on that. Because some folks will ask me, they said, Jonathan, you know, as a preacher's kid, you didn't ever want to <laughs> rebel or get into any trouble or do anything bad and whatever the case is. And. I mean, to be be honest, I mean, I, I got in plenty of trouble. Like, I mean, I got my fair share of, of whippings and got my fair share of lectures and 
groundings and all of that. I mean, I I had those things happen. But if I'm honest, by and large, I, I I admired my dad. I admired and respected the the man that my dad was. And so, when I did get in trouble, the there was a fear, and not only just a fear, but the fear of not not just the fear of the pain, right, from the whipping, right, but the fear of disappointing this this man that I respected, this man that I admired, and really the man that I wanted to to be like, you know, so. I never, you know, I might have rebelled, but that wasn't necessarily because I always wanted to. It was it was something that happened because I'm, you know, as messed up. I'm as sick of a pup as you are. You know what I'm saying? So uh, that was that. But again, I, I respected my dad and I admire my dad. And so I never really had this desire to say, you know what, forget you and everything you stand for. Um, and I had my little my little stuff, you know, I. I did, you know, when I was trying to be cool, you know, my pants would sag or whatever. And, you know, I try to act hard like a thug, you know what I'm saying? And and and, and, and act as though, you know, uh, I was cooler than my dad. But to just completely reject faith, I, I wouldn't say that I had that streak in me. Um, now, I did have a problem with church folk. You know, church folk are always, I don't know if you guys know who church folk is. Let me break that down for you. Church folk are the people that go to church that are kind of just all up in your business. You know, they you, you've, got, you've got Christians and then you got church folk. And that's two different flavors of people. Church folk are folks that are like, uh, you see what he's got on today. You see what she's got on today. We, we need to make sure we're in prayer for that person okay those are the type of folks that kind of you know they say we need to keep such and such in prayer and then they continue to tell your business to people that's church folk (laughs) christians uh would typically pull you to the side as scripture calls us to pull people to the side and and have a conversation with them about what's going on that way Uh, but church folk are a whole different kind of breed but anyway I, i digress a little bit but my main point I didn't really want to rebel. I didn't really want to reject faith. So I never really had a struggle with it. And I think that the only place that I ran into this issue, because again, all my environments were Christian environments, right? Like I I was in church a lot. Um, You know, I was in church for, you know, a couple of days out of the week. You know, I got Sunday, but then of course, Thursday's choir rehearsal, you know, uh, Friday, we got something going on for the youth. Or sorry, Saturday, we got something going on for the youth. You know, Friday, we got something else going on. You know, and then Sunday, you, you have your service, but then you might have second service or you might have something else going on. So I was in church a lot of days of the week. And then, of course, I went to Christian, you know, private school for a little bit of time as well. And so I was in an environment where, you know, faith was commonplace. Everybody had uh, or at least pretended to have, you know, faith in God and faith in the word. And it wasn't until I got to college that I really had to do a gut check on what it was that I believed because I was coming across people that would say things like, you know what, your your belief system is outdated or, you know, you really need to fine tune your the way you think about uh, the world and the way you think about God and and then I had some people say, you know what, this the thing that you believe is just illogical anyway. It doesn't even make sense. And what can you say? When you've only grown up in a Christian environment, when you've only been in a, a, a predominantly faith circle, which I, I thank God for it. It was a blessing in my life. But 
when you get taken out of that and put into the real world where people don't believe, where people, you know, hate what we believe, you're forced to answer the question, you know, why do I believe what I believe? Why do I believe in the Bible? Why do I stake my whole life on a book that was written years ago? You know what I'm saying? Like, why? And I had to answer that question for myself in college. I had to wrestle with that in college. Um, because the best answer that I could give people at the time was, oh, that's just how I was brought up. And it's like, really? Like, that's your best shot? <laughs> that's your best answer? Because the thing is, if I use that, right? If I use that, okay, that's just how I was brought up. Well, what makes the way you were brought up better than the way I was brought up? I got better grades than you. You know, I, I, I'm, I do more work in the community than you. What makes the way you were brought up so much better if, if, if either I'm doing the same or better than you in X area? Right. And then you have to retreat from that. And then you say, well, the Bible says blank. And then a person from another faith says, well, the, the, the Quran says this, you know, or a Taoist teaching says this. You know what I'm saying? So what makes your Bible an authority? What makes it important to the conversation? Why? Should I believe the Bible? And so I'm not going to try to defend the Bible on this podcast. Um, Charles Spurgeon had a really cool quote. I, I love it. It says, I can no more defend God and his word than I can a lion. And the point that he's trying to make is, is that when you see a lion, no, you don't need to defend that lion. The lion's going to just take care of itself. You just let that thing loose and it'll do what it needs to do in defending itself. So my attempt here today is to try to tell you guys why it is that I believe the Bible and really what I've learned in my time in, in wrestling with this question. And so let me let me do this first. And I want to say this real quick. This book is one that's historical in nature, okay? And a lot of people, a lot of people's rebuttal to the book is that, well, I just can't believe the Bible because I believe in science and the Bible just doesn't make sense scientifically. The problem with that thinking is that scientific Y'all remember the scientific method, don't you? I mean, there's a whole there's a whole seven parts to it. But basically, the scientific method is is taking a theory of what you believe to be true about the world and the, the how things work. You experimenting it, you observing that experiment and seeing if you can repeat that. That's the scientific method in, in summary. And so we can't apply that same thinking to history and somebody say why can't we apply it to history jonathan there were events in the in the in the bible that just don't make sense scientifically that the, here's the thing though the people that are making the claims the, the 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 authors of this book are are stating miraculous events that happened during their time period okay 
His my point. History is not explained through the scientific method. The scientific method is something that is observable and then is repeatable. History, however, is proven similarly to how you would prove something in court, right? So when you're in court, they ask you, what time were you at the place? How many eyewitnesses were there at the place? Can those eyewitnesses corroborate, meaning can they vouch for you being at that place at that time? That's how you prove history. So the method is completely different. What we need in order to prove history are eyewitness accounts. Eyewitness accounts converging on a same point, converging on a same truth across different eyewitness accounts. So so what do I mean when I say that? My first point, the reason why I believe the Bible is true is that it is a reliable historical document, okay? And I'm going to talk specifically about the Gospels here for just a minute, but in the Gospels, in the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In those four Gospels, we've got four different eyewitness accounts that all corroborate on Jesus' death, that is him dying on the cross, and then his resurrection, him being uh, rose, you know, raising from the dead, getting out of the tomb, and going and visiting people. We've got four eyewitness accounts that are, and these guys are from different backgrounds. They're from different disciplines. You've got a lawyer, you've got a doctor, you've got one of the disciples. I mean, you've you have different people in different disciplines all saying the same thing. So, in the court case. For example, in order to prove a person or to vouch for a person's truth about a claim, right, about the history, where they were. You say, where were you Tuesday at 9.30 a.m.? The only thing that we need is one person to corroborate that story to justify that that person was telling the truth. One. All you need is one. Again, when you're in a court case or when you're trying to prove history, my point is that all you need is one other person to corroborate your story. In the Gospels, we have four. Let that sink in for a minute. When people say, there's no way somebody died and rose from the dead. Really? We've got four eyewitness accounts that all tell the same story from a different perspective, but all tell the same story and corroborate the truth of that event. So that's the first point on why I choose to believe that the Bible is legit. The second point, and real quick, before I move on to that second point, I want to go to 2 Peter real quick. 2 Peter 1 and 16, and I'm going to pull this up really quick, so give me a second. Because I, what, what I want to do is I want to make sure that when I'm talking about this stuff that I'm not just giving you Jonathan's opinion. I want to make sure that I've got biblical truth behind what it is that I'm saying. And and I know that I do by and large, but I want to I want to prove it to you guys that I'm not just talking out of my my rear end here. 2 Peter, I'm sorry guys, 2 Peter 1 through 16. And it reads like this, for we did not follow 
cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For we received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory. This is my son, my beloved son, I'm sorry, with whom I'm well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the dawn and the morning stars rise in your hearts. Knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture, and, and listen to me here, guys, no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The claim of these, first of all, these eyewitness accounts, and then the claim of the prof- the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled, and I'm going to get into that in just a minute, are not things that people have made up. These men that wrote these things claim that these things that they have spoken were divinely inspired by God. And so you're probably scratching your head you're saying, okay, well, that's great, Jonathan, but like, how does that, how does... How does them just saying that make it legitimate, right? You just read the Bible to prove the Bible. The thing is, if I'm going to say that the Bible is the supreme authority, I have to, by definition, come from the Bible. I've got to use it to justify what it is that I'm saying. Now, you guys might say, well, Jonathan, you're just trying to pull one over on us. Well, just hang in there with me. Give give me just a second. Let, Let me get to my... My, my my other point on this, I want you to realize, just to put into perspective really quick, that the Bible in its totality has 66 books, okay, written by over 40 different authors from all different kinds of walks of life, written across three continents, and written in three different languages, let that, let that sink in for a minute, right? So you've got different people with different perspectives coming from different points of life, all pointing to a centralized theme of the coming Messiah. The coming Messiah that will change the world, that will heal the world of its sin sickness. All of these, all of these authors, every book in the Bible is pointing to the coming Messiah in some way, shape, or form. Okay, so I just wanted to let that be said. Here's my second reason why I believe the Bible is legit. And it is because in the New Testament, we have a man, Jesus Christ, that has fulfilled 324 Old Testament prophecies. 324 Old Testament prophecies all fulfilled by one man, Jesus Christ. The man that the four, again, the four gospel eyewitnesses, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those guys say is the real deal, the real Messiah. Okay? So let me put that into perspective for you. My pastor, he had a really great point. Uh, I go to this church called The Bridge out here. Um, 
and, and Pastor Chris Dolberry, he, he made this point last week, last Sunday. He said, the probability of one man to fulfill just eight, just eight, just eight of these 324 prophecies, the probability, that is the likelihood of one man fulfilling just eight of the 324 prophecies identified in the Old Testament. The likelihood of that happening is one in like one jillion. Okay, that's one. And one jillion is one with 17 zeros after it. If you want to write that down, if you're a math guy. So and he used this illustration, which I thought was incredible. He said, that's like you having one particular kind of coin that you lay somewhere in the state of Texas. And you tell somebody here, hey, go find that one coin <laughs> in Texas out of all the coins that are in Texas. OK, it's not likely is the point that I'm trying to make. It's very unlikely that one man could fill just eight of these. But we have one man that filled all three hundred and twenty four. Now, I'm not going to read three hundred and twenty four different prophecies, but I do want to give you a few. In Zechariah nine, nine. We have the prophetic telling that the Messiah would come riding in on a donkey. It reads like this. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious and lowly riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. Zechariah 9.9. If you go fast forward to the New Testament, in each one of those accounts, you have... Jesus riding in on a donkey on Palm Sunday and people saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Okay. So that's one. Another one is Micah 5 2. Micah 5 2. And that's a prophecy saying that he was going to come from Bethlehem. It reads like this But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrath, who are little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. So not only do we have a specific animal that Jesus will ride on, we have a specific place that he's coming from, told years before he comes on the scene, years before he's even thought of. Years before his mother's even born. Here's another one that Jesus would perform miracles. This is coming from Isaiah 35, 5 through 6. It reads, Then will the eyes of the blind be open, and the ears of the deaf, no, sorry, and the ears of the deaf be unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. All things that Jesus did, healing the blind, healing the sick, giving the mute the ability to talk. These are all things that happened, but that were told were going to happen years before Jesus was even thought of. So you got to ask yourself, you got to ask yourself this question, right? If this isn't true, if this, if Jesus isn't really the Messiah, if he's not 
If he didn't legitimately die and raise from the dead, then who the heck is this guy that fulfilled 324 prophecies? You might try to argue, well, this was all constructed. The thing is, and when I say constructed, you could say, well, this is just somebody's attempt to uh, make a case that, that Jesus was the Messiah or to make a case that, you know, God is real or whatever the thing might be. Then you got a hard, hard time making that case, because, again, we've got 40 different authors in the Bible. That are all telling of or talking about the coming Messiah or the Messiah that has come. That's one thing. Not to mention, I didn't even mention this, manuscripts. Long story short, manuscripts are pieces of the Bible. There are 6,000 manuscripts that exist. And, and manuscripts are the original pieces of the Bible that were written down in the different languages. And, and the different languages were Hebrew, Aramaic, and Koine Greek. Okay, We've got 6,000 manuscripts that we use to construct that we used to construct what, what we have today as our Bible. In order for us to have to reconstruct that or, or for people to have reconstructed that, you would need to do that not only in those three different languages, reconstruct that exactly the same. Think about all the languages the Bible's been translated into today. You'd have to do it. And you can't. Here's the thing. You have to go to the originals in order to stay consistent and coherent with the original manuscripts. So it, it, it sounds like a lot of effort for someone to have to go through to try and make this make believe Jesus out to be legitimate. But I'm going to let you think about that. But here's some typical objections that people will have. And I just want to share these with you real quick. One of them that I always get, specifically as a black guy, is how could you believe in a, in a book and believe in a religion that was used to oppress your people and justify slavery? Here's the thing. People throughout entire history... <laughs> All of history have used various things to prove their point or to justify their evil positions. This is what folks call confirmation bias. You say, Jonathan, that's a school word. What do you mean? Okay, confirmation bias is basically anything that you believe to be true you can probably find data or support from it from somewhere or at least take data and misconstrue it in such a way to prove your own point hitler did this uh with his anger toward the jews he actually used the bible to justify exterminating the jews scientists here in america uh, used this, they, well, they didn't use the Bible, they actually used Charles Darwin's uh, evolutionary theory. They used that in order to justify that black folks particularly were not um, high on that chain. 
They were closer to our ape ancestors, they would say. And then they proceeded to do different kinds of experiments on us. We can get into the Tuskegee projects, but that's a whole other can of worms. But the, the, the point that I'm trying to make here is that you can't judge a system or an idea by its abuse. You can't judge Christianity by the folks that have abused it. You have to judge Christianity by what it says it is, by the word. You have to judge it by what is in the text, not by what Jim Crow South slave masters used to justify what they were doing. Furthermore, the, the verse that they're referring to, it happens in First uh, Peter, and it's talking about slaves be subject to your masters. That's the verse that they're referring to. It's also in Ephesians as well, in the household codes. Uh, I can talk more about that on the podcast. But basically, it's saying slaves listen to your masters, and people use that to justify slavery. I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to get out of this this portion of the conversation. It's not the same. Okay, Transatlantic slavery was a completely different thing than the slavery that was going on in biblical times. Slavery going on during biblical times, I'm not saying that it was a, a, a better deal, but it was, it, it, it was much more like hired help than it was transatlantic slavery. And, I, and, I, and I'll leave it at that. Another example, or another objection, I guess I should say, that people have is that, you know, I'm a, look, Bible was written by man. Okay. I'm a person that believes that books that are written by people can't be trusted. <laughs> you can't trust something that somebody else wrote. To which you could say, or I could say, then why would we trust anything we read ever? Everything that's been written that's already out there has been written by man or woman. So if your argument is that we can't trust man's words, then we can't really trust any man's words ever. I can't even trust yours. And the bottom line is, guys, when you deal with folks uh, that have this kind of bone to pick with the faith and, and they ask you questions on why would you believe something that's outdated that kind of thing. And, and I'll tell you the story really quick. I had a guy on Instagram reach out and he was mad. He kind of went in on my whole my whole life. He kind of went in and said, you know, I, I hate it for your wife or any woman that comes your way, uh, that you would post things about masculinity, that you would post things about uh, God calling men to be men. Like, how dare you use an outdated book that's irrelevant to today and, and try to make it relevant how dare you and what you got to understand you and I what we've got to understand is that most of the time when people are coming at you like that they're not they don't have a bone to pick with you it's, it feels like they do but it's not you the, the fact is is that they've got something going on deeper in their hearts and I and look I can give you information till the cows come home you could give people information till the cows come home about the word of God being true and why you believe that it's true. But the fact is, we've talked about this before. There is a heart problem, right? People don't want to see truth. 
they don't want to see the reality of scripture. They don't want to see that what's written in here is true and is corroborated because that means that they have to be held accountable for their actions. And it's much easier, much easier to have a worldview or to think that there's not a God. And when I say much easier, I'm, I'm not saying that <laughs> intellectually it's easier because it's, it's, it's not intellectually easier to think that way. But it's easier from a day-to-day standpoint because then what I do is my choice. What I do doesn't have any, any really ramifications. There's really no good or evil. There's just my truth and your truth and his truth and her truth and their truth, right? And so I don't have to be accountable to anyone or anything but myself. And I think that I'm doing what I need to be doing, regardless as to what the word of God says, regardless as to what anyone else says. And the reality of that, that kind of person is that that person is lost and the conversation is just going to fall on deaf ears if you try to go out it if you try to go at it from a fact standpoint the issue is the heart and what i what i wish is that you know that guy on instagram would have would have taken time to have a conversation with me uh, but again he he's angry He's got frustrations, he's got stuff going on. And so when you've got a heart that is that is that filled, you know what I'm saying? You're you're not open to truth, you're not open to hear a word. You're too full of yourself. And so I encourage each one of you guys to pray for that gentleman. I, I don't remember his name and, and he didn't have a real name and I've blocked him since then because he was kind of getting to harass me a little bit. He's kind of it's kind of being annoying, but So I had to block him, but um, pray for that man and pray for other men like him. Again, I can give you guys information till the cows come home, right? This is just, I'm barely scratching the surface on the depth of it, partially because I'm not as uh, strong in this area. But I will tell you that at the end of the day, people will listen when they're when they're ready to hear, when their hearts have been opened, when the Holy Spirit has moved into their life and has made the determination that, you know what, I'm going to open your eyes now. I'm going to open your ears now. And it's with that, gentlemen, I say thank you for listening to today's episode. If it was beneficial, if you found any information helpful, I encourage you to leave us a review on Apple iTunes. Uh, share this with a friend. Let other men know that, uh, hey, I got some stuff that I need to be doing. I need to be reading my Bible so I can bone up on this book that I base my whole life on. Uh, and, and then, again, if you could just leave a review, share it. And if you can't do either one of those things, man, hit me up on Instagram at underscore Jonathan West. That's at underscore Jonathan West. Anytime you want to have a conversation, I'm open to it. I'm praying for you guys. So if you guys need any particular prayer, Man, hit me up. Uh, there's there's a lot going on. Holidays can be a tough time of the year for folks. So I'm here. I'm available. At underscore Jonathan West. So that I say, take care and build on.